0: Welcome to the podcast for Palmdale United Methodist Church on Sunday, May 29th, 2022. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, may it be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, just about every fairy tale ends with these words, and they lived happily ever after. That's how many of our most beloved stories end, the ones that we remembered hearing as kids. But as we've grown up, we've often discovered the painful reality that not every story ends happily ever after, which is why I'm finishing today's series by focusing on this particular topic, highly happy Couples, right? We want to all—we all want to live happily ever after with our spouses. Years ago, I remember uh, had the pleasure of hearing comedian Jeff Allen in concert. I was at a youth ministries convention, and I had never heard of him before. He was fabulous, and and he talks about uh, in one of his routines his wedding day and the conversation that he had with his father. And his father said, "Before you argue with your new wife, and you will argue because every couple does. Before you argue, though, I want you to ask yourself." Two questions, son. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Jeff said at that time he had no idea what his father was talking about. And then he adds, 28 years later, I'm a happy, happy man. Haven't been right in 12 years, but I'm very happy, right? And so our series that we've been doing during the month of May, Love, Sex, and Relationships, I'm ending with this idea of what makes a couple truly happy. And and I mean that happily ever after kind of happy. Now, during the series, I've mentioned that uh, whether or not you're currently married or in a relationship, we all are in positions of influence with people that we know, family members, friends, coworkers who are married or in significant relationships. And so as we move through this final uh, message of the series, if you're not currently in that relationship, listen for how God might be wanting you to share some of this insight with those that are closest to you. Every so often, the local news will run a story on a couple who's been married 50, 60, 70 years. And inevitably, what's the one question they always ask? What's the secret, right? What's the secret uh, to staying married for so long? Well, photographer Katie Autry captured one such couple, and the website Board Panda ran a story on them. Last year, Marvin and Lucille Stone of Sterling, Nebraska, did a photo shoot with Katie celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And this photo, by the way, uh, was taken in their original wedding attire, something that most of us probably would not be able to pull off, right? Their secret to longevity, they said, work hard, be kind to one another, think before you speak, rely on each other's strengths to overcome your weaknesses, and stay strong in your faith. Well, what's the secret? That's the question that uh, researcher and author Shanti Feldhahn wanted to answer when she set about starting to write her book, Highly Happy Marriages. And so, she wanted to study what she calls highly happy couples, and she interviewed close to 1,000 different couples from a variety of areas in the country and ages and demographics and all of that, and she was looking for those who both willingly responded that they were very happy in their relationship with their spouse. And there were 350 of those yes couples for the people that she surveyed, so they became the ones that she did even more research on in studying, and the results of that became this very short but quite fascinating book. She discovered that contrary to uh, popular belief, it's not the big ticket items that determine the day-to-day happiness of a couple, like issues like money and sex and in-laws and politics, all of that. No, much more often, it's the daily unspoken beliefs, assumptions, and practices that make the difference, regardless of the big issues. So really, it's how we handle those daily unspoken beliefs, assumptions, and practices that determine how much satisfaction we have in our marriage. I I even had the opportunity of hearing Shanti teach on this topic in Hawaii a few years back before we moved to California. It was so encouraging and inspiring that I knew it's information that needed to be shared for both your own marriages, for those that are currently married, and for the marriages of those near and dear to you. Now, she said, if you only had one piece of advice from all this research, you know what it all boils down to? It's this, that highly happy couples choose to believe that their mate cares for them and they act accordingly. That's it. Now, it almost sounds too simple to be true, but Feldman says, one of the greatest indicators of happiness in a marriage is choosing to believe that your spouse truly loves and cares about you No matter what it is you're seeing or feeling from them at that time. So, let me explain this a little bit more thoroughly. She said, in struggling or even mostly happy marriages, hurt spouses routinely but subconsciously assume that the offending party didn't really care about them when they said or did that. The unseen assumption is something like, hey, uh, he knew how that would make me feel, and he still did it anyway. Or... She knows how important that was to me, and she didn't even show up. So even though they weren't intending to think this way, they're assuming that their spouse intended to do them harm. And so they are, in fact, assuming the worst about their spouse's intentions. Highly happy couples, she says on the other hand, think along these lines. Well, he must not have known how that would make me feel, or he wouldn't have done that. Or... She knows how important that was to me, so something must have come up suddenly that prevented her from being here. Highly happy couples still get hurt from time to time. That's just part of being in a relationship, of being human, but they refuse to believe that the pain was intended. So that makes it a lot easier to let go of the pain rather than to hold on to it and let it eat away at that relationship. One of the things I've always loved about my wife, Jodi, is that from the time we first started dating in high school, uh, January of 1986, whenever uh, I'd say or do something that came across as insensitive or hurtful, shocking, it happens even to pastors, right? Jodi would tell me, that's okay, I know your heart, right? She was saying that I know you didn't intend to hurt me even though what you said was hurtful. So deep inside she knew the love that I had for her and that my, uh, when my words or actions didn't reflect that, she knew what my intentions were deep down. Shandi Feldhan said she had a, a family lawyer tell her that so many divorces could have been prevented if the couple would have assumed that their spouse had goodwill towards them instead of presuming they didn't. You see, the bottom line is we only have two options. We can believe our spouse wants the best for us and we act like it, or we don't believe it and we won't act like it. So we, we need to choose to believe it even when we don't feel it at the time. When we expect the best, we often bring out the best in our significant relationships. So with this key principle in mind, Chanti put together a number of little things that any couple can do which will make a big difference in their relationship. And even she said, even only if one spouse or partner commits to applying some of these habits, but they do it sacrificially and for as long as it takes, most relationships can end up being transformed even if just one of the partners is doing this. These are the kind of things that remind our spouse that we deeply care about him or her instead of the opposite. So she begins her book with what she calls the fantastic five for him and her. These are again a few small actions that her survey indicated matters to almost every man and woman. Now, if you're uh, so you're likely to make your spouse feel deeply cared for if you make a habit of doing these five things regularly. And we're going to start with the guys. So a woman will have a big impact on her husband's happiness when she does the following. Notices his effort and sincerely thanks him for it. For example, thank you for mowing the lawn even though it was so hot outside. Or thanks for playing with the kids even though I know you were so tired from work. They just love being in your presence. Women, did you know that saying thank you is our emotional equivalent to how you feel when we tell you we love you? 72% of men said that this makes them feel wonderful. Second thing, You can say, you did a great job at, and fill in the blanks, right? Whether it's grilling tonight's dinner, planning our vacation, fixing the car, whatever it may be. Women, when we're told that we've succeeded at something, it feels like we're on the top of the world. 69% of all men were pleased by this. Women, you want to impact your husband's happiness, then mention something that he did well in front of others, Guys love it when our spouses brag on us. 72% of men surveyed said, yes, this was so important. Number four, show that you desire him sexually and that he pleases her sexually. Now, especially when we uh, last week talked about sexual intimacy, knowing how significant this is in the lives of men. Uh, This is very important. It's no surprise that 85% of all men said that this makes them feel fabulous. And then finally, when women make it clear to their spouse that he makes her happy, then uh, his love tank is filled. For example, when you express uh, appreciation for something he did for you, whether it be with words, a smile, a big hug, it doesn't matter, uh, showing that you, uh, your spouse makes you happy, uh, 88% of men said they absolutely love this. So, five simple things, right? Easy to do. Here's the five, fantastic five her. Men, if you want to have a big impact on your spouse's happiness, then take her hand. I know it sounds too easy, but take your hand when you're walking in a parking lot or sitting together in the movies or even uh, on the couch watching TV at night. 82% of all women said they love it when their husbands hold their hands. Second, Leave her a message during the day to say that you love her and that you're thinking about her. This can be by uh, voicemail, email, text message. You can even leave written notes in different places for her to find. Uh, Post-its work really well, uh, even on the bathroom uh, mirror before she gets up in the morning. 75% of all women said this would deeply please them. Guys, put your arm around your spouse when you're sitting together in public and Church is a great place to start, right? Or maybe when you're at a restaurant, just putting your hand on her knee. Simple touches often mean a great deal to her. 74% of all women said this was so much appreciated. And the fourth may seem like a no-brainer, but men, tell your spouse you think she's beautiful. Just say the words often because we live in a society where beauty is often defined by others. Tell her that you find her beautiful. 76% of all women said they absolutely love this. And finally, number five, guys, our wives feel happy when we're able to pull ourselves out of a funk, right? We all get into those moods from time to time. So when we're grumpy, morose, or simply upset about something, instead of wallowing in our grumpiness, find a way to get out of it. Did you know that 72% of all women said this had a huge impact on their happiness levels? Now, we spoke a few weeks about love languages, the five different ways that people give and receive love. Well, no matter what our love language may be, these small but powerful, fabulous five actions can make a big difference. And that's the first uh, section, first couple of chapters in Shanti's little book. But the other things that she learned uh, throughout the research on this topic, there's also things that can have a big impact on a relationship. Now, not all of these will apply to every marriage some might make a big difference to your partner. So I'll go over them rather quickly, Uh, know that you can get more details and examples in her book. She says, go to bed mad, why sleeping on it might be smarter after all. Now. We've all heard the uh, passage, if we grew up in the church, Ephesians 4.26, right? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And we've been told not to go to bed mad, to stay up and make sure that you're in a good place before you go to sleep. But the reality is sometimes conflict can't be solved before bedtime. So instead of trying to stay up and arguing to its conclusion, sleeping on it might actually be better. Here's the difference. When struggling couples go to bed mad... 41% of them do not resolve it later. But she said, on the other hand, highly happy couples find that when they can't resolve uh, conflict or anger before bedtime, go to sleep, and if it remains in the morning, then they're better able to deal with it. So sometimes not trying to fully resolve things at night gives couples the emotional space they need in order to be able to deal with it better in the morning. There's a big difference between resolving one's anger and resolving an issue. By the way, Shanti says as a counter to Ephesians 4.26, she lifts up Psalm 4.4. This is a great one to remember. Maybe even put it on a uh, Post-it in your bathroom. But don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Next, she says, keep score how what you count up changes what you give back. Now, happy spouses keep track of what their mate is giving and what they need as a result, and they deliberately try to give back to them, right? It's easy to fall into the trap of focusing on ourselves. Oh, I Can't believe I have to do the dishes again. This is the fifth time this week already, or uh, whatever it may be. But instead of keeping score about how much we're doing, put more energy into keeping track of what your spouse is giving. And then we focus on what uh, we can do to serve our partner during their busy times without worrying about what, uh, th- whether they're doing it to us or not. Not only will we be happier when we do this, but we're likely to see our spouse's own patterns change over time. People who are who generously focused on their spouses rather than themselves, they're more likely to be in a very happy marriage. Next, take control of feelings. How... Why changing what you do changes how you feel. Highly happy couples are able to quickly stop a negative train of thought or action, and then they replace those unhappy or angry thoughts or actions with positive ones, right, in order to change their own feelings. Now, this is one of those learned behavior traits that can make a huge difference couples who choose to stop focusing and thinking on the ways that they're getting annoyed by their partner, uh, they're much happier in their relationships. Like, go figure, right? Now, it doesn't mean not addressing situations when they arise. Address them, but just don't become a slave to your feelings. Shani Feldhahn says that if you begin to think your husband or wife doesn't appreciate you, then simply act as if they actually do. You'll not only suddenly see and feel the evidence of their appreciation everywhere, but you'll start to feel more affection towards your spouse. Proverbs 11.27 says, If you search for good, you will find favor, but if you search for evil, it will find you. Paul put it this way in Philippians 4. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy in your partner, Think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Next, she writes, have factual fantasies, how loving the art of possible makes your marriage stronger. Shanti writes, in my research, one of the main factors that clearly made couples unhappy was a spouse longing for their mate to deliver something that it seems like it should be easy, but to which their mate finds it difficult or impossible. Did you know that struggling couples were six times more likely to be frustrated or disappointed when their spouse didn't meet their expectations than happy couples were? By by contrast, highly happy couples were 12 times more likely to say, you know, I didn't even expect him or her to do that in the first place, right? So the ability to understand and celebrate what your partner can deliver then becomes that factual fantasy instead of an unrealistic one. And this can go a long way in saving a marriage. You may have to help your spouse by clearly explaining what it is you need from him or her. Um, our spouses, I believe, generally, genuinely want to make us happy. So let's not make them guess at what it is that we want. It's not a test. Don't assume anything. Tell them very clearly what you want. Here's another interesting insight. When highly happy couples go through a time of difficulty, through hurt feelings or conflict, they will at some point... Mutually reconnect by sharing some kind of private signal, whether it's a phrase, a touch, a look that says, you know what, we're okay, we're okay. Things that may seem completely meaningless or even silly to an outside observer, yet to that couple, it speaks volumes. It provides a familiar path of, of letting go, of forgiveness after conflict, of starting over again. So find those things that you can say that let each other know, we're good. Next, hang out, how eliminating physical distance can eliminate emotional distance. Studies have shown that the strongest predictor of friendship was not shared values, similar personalities, or even a common cultural background. It was, are you ready, proximity, right? It turns out that you're most likely to be friends with the people that you see all the time. Only after that do other factors come into play. So, highly happy couples aren't just spending time together because they're happy. The big part of the reason that they are happy is that they are spending time together. Highly happy couples act as if their marriages are first and foremost friendships. Shanti also gave a warning, right? It isn't really surprising that if you're attending to any other relationship more than the one you have with your spouse, that you'll eventually start to feel more closer to that other person than you would to your spouse. When God says in Genesis that that we should leave our fathers and mothers and presumably any other close attachments and cleave to our spouses, God is not trying to keep us distant from others. Rather, God is saying that we need to put other relationships in proper order so that we make sure that our spouses become our closest friends. Next, do not tell it like it is that brutal honesty is overrated. Highly happy couples treat one another with intentional kindness. They joke, they challenge, yes, but they never do it in ways that their mate would perceive as disrespectful or hurtful. Kindness is often better than brutal honesty. The power of words can heal or destroy. Paul reminded the church in Colossae to let your conversation be always full of grace. So may we speak with grace at all times to our partners and those significant relationships in our life. Next, look higher. Why looking for happiness in marriage is looking in the wrong place, right? The happiest spouses often mentioned that it was their faith in God that was vitally important to their relationships. Not only that, but the knowledge that their spouse was also looking to God for fulfillment rather than looking to them uh, took the pressure off trying to provide something that really only God can provide, Statistics tell us that couples who attend church weekly are far more likely to survive. In fact, their divorce rate drops by 27%. Some researchers say it goes as high as 50% if they worship regularly together. Jesus said, we love when we put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. So we do need to ask our spouses, how can we serve you better? Rather than focusing on what we want them to do to meet our needs. But God is the one who gives us the power to think and act selflessly like this. When we expect our marriage or our uh, long-term relationship partner to make us happy, then we're setting ourselves up to fail, because no relationship can hold the key to happiness except when it is surrounded in a relationship with God. Next, highly happy couples think they hit the jackpot, how giving credit means getting back marital bliss. She said, highly happy couples give their mate most of the credit for the relationship success, and they live in regular conscious gratitude as a result. One highly happy husband put it, I had no idea that marriage could be this good or how amazing she would be as a wife. I sure hit the jackpot with her, and I had no idea the the size of the jackpot when I pulled that lever. By contrast, the majority of just so-so couples, well, they indicate, you know, really I'm the one that's doing all the work. For this marriage. I'm the one that's giving us this happiness and joy. He or she doesn't, doesn't hardly contribute at all to making that happen, right? Uh, she's so lucky to have a guy like me, right? There, there's a major difference in the two ways of thinking, don't you think? The key, folks, is gratitude. And I'd venture to say that all of us feel gratitude when it comes to our spouses, and yet that gratitude often goes unsaid. In highly happy relationships, spouses go out of their way to let their partner know they are so grateful for the other. Even when times are difficult, find some things that you're grateful uh, about your spouse and let them know. That'll help get through those difficult times. Tell them every day it's that important. Okay, that's just a ton of information that I just threw at you. Here's the challenge. Don't try to do everything at once, right? Start with the things you're already doing well. Continue to do that. Build on that. Give yourselves credit. And then maybe pick one or two things that you heard in today's message and and, and start trying them out. Don't do too many. Don't wait for the perfect time to start, you know, once the school year ends or once we get this thing. No, no. Start today. Start working at it, right? And all the key points of today's message can be found in the church app, so you can go back and refer to that anywhere down the road. And even if your spouse isn't ready or willing to work on these things, you can. As Shanti said earlier, even one spouse doing these uh, habits can eventually change both spouses if it's done sacrificially. So make the commitment today to make your relationship even better. Here again the words from 1 Peter chapter 4. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. Paul was probably talking about, or the writer of 1 Peter was probably talking about uh, the church in general, but when we think about this in terms of our marriages or our family relationships, it takes on even greater meaning, doesn't it? Our deepest goal, friends, is that our love will indeed last a lifetime. It is not only possible, it is probable, if we'll have the proper perspective. And remember that God is here to lead and guide us every step along the way. And that's a big part to having a highly happy relationship. May each of our relationships deepen and grow as we live into that promise. So, there you have it. That was the month of May. Uh, Five sermons looking on our relationships the most important relationships that we have in life. Now, I mentioned uh, earlier that this is such an important series that about every three or four years, I like to bring it back and re-preach it. Um, It's my prayer that these past five weeks have been helpful to you and your partner, and remembering that all of us are in positions of influence with others who are in relationships, whether it's our children, our grandchildren, our co-workers and our friends, whomever it is that God has placed in your life you may be a source of encouragement and strength to them in their marriage and relationships. You can also find each of these messages back on our church YouTube channel as well as the notes, as I mentioned, on our church app. And I wholeheartedly believe it's worth reviewing over and over again. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in all of Scripture? He said two things. One, love God with everything you have, and then love others. Love others. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. Our spouses should be our closest neighbors. Our love for them should reflect the love that God has for us. And so as we move into the start of summer, friends, may you prioritize your marriage or your significant relationship. May you come to understand that love is something we do more than something we feel. Maybe you reach out in sacrificial love to those friends and family members who are closest to you. And may you always remember the life-changing love that God has for each and every one of us. Amen.